0: Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for honoring my family. Thank you. My brother Dan and his wife, knowing that I was coming, sent special greetings to all of you. They are in good health. Daniel will soon be 90 years young and continues to preach across America. He's an amazing man and uh, we had a, a great parents, wonderful heritage. Mother, long after my father passed away, who served you here 18 years as a staff member, mother lived another 20-some years, and she died at the age of 102. So I tell everyone, I tell everyone, you know what that means? means I'll be back, and so... <laughs> And so I I thank you for honoring my mom and my dad. I had the privilege of slipping over this morning and talking to the people who, if I attended here, would be sitting over there with them because I'm from their age group, more or less. But uh, what a joy it was to see, see them and to share with them. We've lost several since I was here last, and our hearts remember them this morning. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't know how it all happened, but is it possible that God the Father called God the Son into the office? Think about it. And said, Jesus, the world needs a savior, and I'm sending you down to the earth to become the savior of the world. So we pick up the story in Nazareth, Where Joseph meets Mary, takes her to be his wife, and from there down to Bethlehem. They return to Nazareth where Joseph, the master carpenter, is building strip malls and condominiums and apartment buildings. And Joseph joins with the family for the next 30 years. But at the age of 30, Jesus began his ministry. And I find this so fascinating Jesus began his ministry at the age of 30. There were no iPhones, Samsung phones burning up. There was no internet, Facebook, TikTok, whatever that is. And all of these things today, all he had was a donkey and a camel. And he's going to tell the world, hello, I've come to be your Savior. So what did Jesus do? What was his strategy? Jesus called to himself 12 disciples. And in the process, he formed the first Bible school of the Assemblies of God. <laughs> now, if this was a Baptist church, I would save the Baptist church. But, <laughs> but, but he had a three-year curriculum, three-year program, no campus. So wherever Jesus went, they went. He taught them from the prophets. He taught them how to pray. He taught them how to feed 5,000 with just a, a couple of loaves. Of bread. And we need that miracle again, ladies and gentlemen. He taught them how to walk on water. Now, Peter wasn't too good at that, but he taught them all of these wonderful things in three years' time. And in in the midst of all of this, he taught them that he'd come to be the savior of the world. They didn't fully understand that because they were hoping these who were part of the original cabinet, they were hoping that he would be the next ruler of the world. At that time, the Roman rule was was as vicious as ISIS is today. They could cut your head off without having a reason. And they were hoping that Jesus was going to become the ruler of the world. And no doubt, they would be a part of all of that. Simon Peter was practicing with the sword, no doubt would become the next secretary of defense. He could take a sword and cut a guy's ear off just without even and it wasn't amazing but no jesus did not come to be the ruler of the world he came to be the savior of the world and there's a big difference ladies and gentlemen that's why though the disciples didn't understand though judas sold him for a bag of silver though the others betrayed him at the close of his three of his of his time with them though all of he allowed his captors to take him they tor- they tormented him they whipped him like a like a beast of, just like a beast of, uh, a piece of beef. They 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 planted a crown of thorns upon his brow. They they pierced his side, and 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 worst of all, they hung him between two thieves on the cross. But he knew why he had come. He'd come to be the Savior of the world, and he allowed them to do that, ladies and gentlemen. And there on the cross of Calvary, Jesus said these amazing things: "It is finished. I have paid it all, and I have good news this morning for Sound Life and for Tacoma and Seattle, and we know." that Seattle needs help. We have good news today for America and for the world. Our sins have been forgiven. Praise God. It's not by penance. It's not by communion. It's not by offerings, but it's by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We live again. Peter could no longer handle the guilt of what he had done. He had betrayed his friend and his savior, Jesus. So On Easter morning, we call it, he went looking for Jesus three days after the resurrection. Where did they put him? And he found Jesus sitting outside of the borrowed tomb. Their eyes fastened on each other. And Jesus said to Peter, go and tell the others. Peter knew where they were. He went and got the others. and He said, I've just seen Jesus. He said, Peter, please don't do that to us. We saw him too for three years. It was wonderful. It was a great trip. Boy, he taught us a lot. But they put him on a cross. It's all over. No, you don't understand. It's not all over. He, he, we didn't understand. He came to be the sick you he died but he arose again and he's our living lord today come with me and they went with peter and they met with jesus and jesus said now here's the final assignment I want you to go to Jerusalem and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God's going to do something for you, supernatural, and the things that I have done, you will do in even greater things. Go now, because if you don't go, I can't leave. And as he was talking, he was caught up from among them. He disappeared in the air, and the angels came, and they said, this same Jesus that you see leaving is coming back. And I have more good news for you in sound life. He is coming back, ladies and gentlemen, and this time he's coming back as the ruler of the world. And you You and I will rule and reign with him. Praise God. I I find this fascinating. On the way to Jerusalem, they became evangelists. They started out at 11, 10 rather, know that what were there 11 they started and now there's 120 How's how wow you talk about church growth pastor Caleb this is amazing they gathered together in Jerusalem they had no upper room we go to Jerusalem today we go to the upper room they didn't have an upper room so they borrowed a second up second floor apartment by the day I don't know what they so so they got together and and 120 of them 120 and they met and they they took care of a little bit of church business and then they begin to pray oh God what Whatever you have in mind, we're ready. Day two, oh God! Oh, day three, dear. Day four, oh, God, I think maybe on day five, somebody had a guitar and began to sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Day six, day seven, but on the 10th day, sitting as you are, the Holy Spirit swept across that auditorium and impregnated everyone with the gift of the Holy Ghost as an expression of what was happening to begin to speak in other languages. We call it speaking in other tongues. And they gave a loud noise to Jesus and to God the Father. At that time in Jerusalem, it was feast time, and people gathered in from the surrounding area, and they heard this noise, and they heard these people speaking in their own languages. How can this be? This is, this is. And Peter, Peter, this is the guy who just denied Jesus. This is the guy who said, I never knew him. This is the guy three times said, no, not me. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, stood up and being a Pentecostal preacher, began to preach. And he preached, and he preached, and he preached. You know what these Pentecostal preachers do. If They don't, they just to keep on. And he preached, and he preached. <laughs> (laughs) and when he finished preaching 3,000 gave their hearts to Jesus Christ and if you will come with me this morning sir I'll put you in a jumbo jet with all of your friends and I'll fly you around the world and I'll show you today 1 billion people who call Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior how is this possible possible because of one thing trained leadership it's just, it doesn't happen any other way. You can't just, well, we're going, no, 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 no. You have to train them you got to train them. And so when Joyce and I, in 1966, felt that God wanted us to go, I was called as a boy. I was born and raised in North Dakota, my daddy's church. And as a boy, when missionaries would come, I'd go up on the altar, and God touched me, and God said, I want you to go. I knew how I was going to do all of my life. And so in 1966, after serving churches in Iowa and Kansas, Joyce said, it's time to go. We had a little boy, five months of age. We put him on the backstage. Of the car, there were no car seats in '66. We put a mattress back there. He just bounced all over the place. Anyway, you step on, the, you step on the brake. He's up in the front seat, and you know it was it was wonderful. And we began to travel across America, and we said we're going to go to Spain as missionaries. And God allowed us the privilege, ladies and gentlemen, to go to Spain and establish the first Bible school that the country had ever had. And out of that Bible school came trained leaders, and if you come with me today, instead of the five fledgling churches that I found when I went there, you will find hundreds of places of Pentecostal worship today. Why is that possible? How is it possible? It's possible only because of trained leadership. This is, this is not rocket science. This is just doing as Jesus did. And so while I was in Spain, I got a call. Could you please come next door to Portugal? Yes. So I went to Portugal, and I found the Assemblies of God in the city of Lisbon, Portugal, in 60 congregations. Thousands of believers. And they had three full-time pastors going Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Said going and going and going. And so I said, they said to me, would you please pray for workers? I'm praying, oh, God, please send workers. One day, I was back in Spain, and God said to me, what those people in Portugal need is a training center. Oh, I said, that's a brilliant idea. I went back to the Portuguese people, and I said, it seems to me that you need to have a training center, train your finest, your brightest, and teach them to go out and fill these empty pulpits. Oh, they said, that's super, and we want you to come and build it and direct it for us. I said, no, I could never do that. In fact, Pastor Caleb, I have teachers at school who do, agreed with me on that one so I but 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 one day I was back in Spain after they had invited me to come to Portugal and I was I was praying about that one day God said Sam I want you to go and I said I'll do it I'll do it so after nearly five years in Spain with a couple of additional boys born now we have three boys must have been the water Joyce and I came, and the first place we landed was right here in Seattle, Tacoma. Your people graciously took us in. My brother Dan was the pastor, and from here, I launched a campaign to go across America. We went to Springfield, Missouri, found a mobile home that Joyce and the kids could live in. Everybody needs to live in a mobile home. One time, and uh, just and, uh, and I kissed the boys goodbye. And I'll see you later. And I crisscrossed this country of ours. I slept in my own bed 60 nights. I went like a mad. I went for a year and a half, back and forth, back and up and down. We're going to build a Bible school in Portugal. We're going to build a Bible school in Portugal. Could you come? Would you please help us? Could you help us? And the people responded. And a year and a half later, I picked up my boys. Wow, they had grown. And off to Portugal we flew. 1974. We arrived on January the 2nd. And I'm walking on January the 3rd all over 30 acres of land that God had given to us. You see it on the screen someplace this morning, 30 acres of land. There it is, 30 acres. God had given to me a verse that became my verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. And I, I just, I believe God. And every time I would, I just believe God. And so when we got to Portugal, the Lord provided for us to be able to buy because we had the money. We were able to buy the land. Didn't have any money to build, but I had the money to buy the land. And we bought the land. And for the next nine years, I never stopped building. Never stopped raising money either. But I never stopped building. And we built dormitories and classrooms and dining halls. They loved to eat. I built a chapel for 1500 I built, I built, I built, I built. For nine years we built. You helped me do that. You helped me. This church helped me. And now you see what we did because that's the evidence of what God gave to us in our hearts. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, there's the evidence of what we believe God for. An incredible Bible school. And today in Portugal, the the Assemblies of God is the number one Protestant denomination. Let me try it over here. <laughs> <coughs> you're, you're wonderful. I love you. I love you too much. You're just you're so kind. And you know. In God's divine providence, he has brought to you the most significant pastor and his wife that the Northwest could afford to give. It is phenomenal what this pastor and his wife, they are special, so very special, surrounded by a magnificent staff. They have the three greatest kids in the world sitting on the front row. This is supernatural, and I just love them so very much, and I applaud all of you this morning, amen. So in 1989, in 1989, as communism was falling, I received an invitation, could you please come to Romania? Yes. So I went to Bucharest, Romania, a city of 5 million people, and there I found an old commie building. They wanted to build a Bible school. I found an old commie building, not just, you know, and the communists never built, it was, just, it was, it was, it was ugly. And it's, it's a commie building. And I, we saw, we saw in that, the potential. And we began to build and we built and we built, raised the money to do all of that. And God gave to us the evidence of what we believe God for. There it is in Romania, ladies and gentlemen. A beautiful Bible school. And today, come with me to Romania. I will show you two to 3,000 phenomenal Protestant and Pentecostal churches in the country of Romania today. How is this possible? Possible only because of one thing, trained leadership. So from there we went to the Republic of Georgia, that's the country that lies just south of Russia, the Republic of Georgia, not Atlanta, the Republic of Georgia, <laughs> just south. And there we found another commie building, and we transformed it into a fantastic Bible school on the ground floor, room for a thousand people. It's a big building. And, we, and we, we, we were able to transform it into a beautiful Bible school, and that's the evidence right there that you see of what God gave to us. In, the Republic of Georgia, that's where Pastor Mrs. Bill Roberts who will be with us in the second service who we'll now attend your church. That's where he came and with me in the very beginning, a group of, a group of very, they were not happy people. There was a, there was a, there was an Orthodox priest led by a hundred people, most of them strong women. I mean, these, these because the women in those days, they had to do everything. They worked so hard. And these gals were about this tall. And they were just, and they were just, and they came out of nowhere and they beat up the ten of us. They stomped on us, sent a couple of guys to, to, to the hospital, and Bill Roberts was one of those that was with us. And God, he was greatly hurt. And out of that, out of that misery, God was able to help us create this incredible Bible school in the Republic of Georgia. Today in Georgia, there are hundreds of places of pentecost. Costal to worship to God be the glory. Hundreds of places that. Been- this may be my best side. You know, you know. If you want if you wanted to go to North Korea today, you could not get in, and they can't get out. That's the way it was with Albania, 1989. Albania, people could not get out. I couldn't get a visa to get in. But in 1989, as communism was falling, they captured the guy who ran the country and deposed of him, thank God, and freedom began to come to the country of Albania. We bought a piece of land and we began to build and we began to build and we built a magnificent Bible school in the capital city of Albania and now you see it on the screen this morning. Today across the Balkans, churches are being established because of the Bible school students taught and trained to go out from there and to establish churches. The same story can be told this morning even in Russia, in Russia. You see on the screen this morning a building that we helped the build in Russia. And the the exciting thing about that is, for me, is that 300 students came out of that one building and they started 300 churches. That's the key, ladies and gentlemen, to church growth. So God was helping us. I never set out. I never set out in 1966 to do what we've been able to do now in 55 countries of the world. But God's been so very gracious to us and has blessed us. Joyce and I just celebrated 60 years of marriage. Look at, look at, look, huh? Can you believe it? You you look at me this morning and you say, how can it be such a young man married all of those years? And, of course, the the answer is oil of Olay. Get it on early, get it on, keep it on. Some of you may not have any hope, but you can always try, always try. So God's been very gracious to us, very gracious. And we've helped to build Bible schools across Western Europe and Eastern Europe. And then I got a call, could you please come to Africa? Yes. I was here with you last year, and I talked about Burkina Faso, the country in West Africa, West Africa, where our missionaries went 100 years ago this year. 100 years ago, and they established the Assemblies of God of Ten- uh, Burkina Faso. Today, ladies and gentlemen, there are two to three million believers in Burkina Faso. There are thousands and thousands of churches, there are seven Bible schools, the only place where I've ever been in my life where the male student brings his wife and his children and comes to the Bible school. And because of that today, on our seven Bible school campuses there, there are five to 6,000 students, wives, and children. And when I went there, this is what I found. I found them living in grass huts. And I said, I think we can do better than this. So with 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 the leadership, we devised a plan and we said, oh, you gotta go to the next picture because you'll love this. She's just as happy as can be. She's out there cooking. You see the stainless steel that she's refrigerator, and it's all right there in the picture, you gotta imagine. (laughs) And and but we devised, we devised, we devised for the students and their families a room nine by fifteen. Every male student who comes with his wife and children, get a room, nine by 15. They sleep on the floor, they eat on the floor, they study on the floor, just, 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 just nine by 15. And so I said to you last year, for $2,000, we could build one of those rooms. For $10,000, we could build five of them. That's cheaper than Cheryl she said. And so... so <laughs> It is so. So we begin. To, we begin to and across across all of Burkina Faso, we have built and built and built. And you helped me last year. In fact, last year you gave us over eighty-five thousand dollars. You built dormitories. You helped me build three libraries. I built schools for these. On one of these campuses, there are over 2,000 students, wives, and kids. So the kids have to have a place to go to school. The children of the children. And so we built schools for them. It's just been a, it's a, it's a, because the end result of these people going out and being trained is to plant more churches. I told you when I was here of the problem that the Muslims were giving them. How that they had come down from the north and how that they had killed hundreds of our people, decimated over a thousand of our churches. And I asked the general superintendent when I was there, what are you going to do? Because I'm, I'm talking to 60 deposed pastors they had had to leave their churches what are you going to do and he said i'll tell you what we're going to do and he looked at all of them we're going to take every one of them and we're going to go here and we're going to plant another church and we're going to plant a church and we're going to plant a church because he said jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it (laughs) ladies and gentlemen you can either go under or you can go over you can go under or you can go over. You said, well, there's nothing we can do. Oh, yes, there is. With God, all things are possible. And you helped me to make it happen. And we have brought so much joy and so much happiness to all of these. You see, but Sam, how can they be happy in a room? Nine by 50. Go back to where they were. See, it's all it's all Relative. It's so all relative, and they're so happy, and I wish that they could be here this morning, and they could be dancing and singing for you, and they're colorful, and so I'll just have to do it myself, but, <laughs> but they, they would love to thank you for all that you've done for them to help make it possible, and so I say that to you this morning. Not only did we build dormitories and libraries and classrooms, but we've also just finished the beautiful seminary there. Uh, in the outskirts of the city of Ouagadougou, the capital city. Ouagadougou, say that quickly, Ouagadougou, and there it is, the seminary building, and we're finishing right now the dormitory that will house the students that will go to that seminary. This isn't a country today where, as I said to you, the Assemblies of God has become the number one Protestant denomination in the country. Now, we're not here, ladies and gentlemen, to, to, to talk about how great the I'm just giving it to you as an example of what you've been able to help us to accomplish. And so we thank God for that this morning. I lived in Minneapolis for 10 years. I've just moved to Knoxville, Tennessee three years ago. Oh, it's so beautiful. Close to Dollywood. She calls me on a regular basis. Could you please come on over and have lunch? Just kidding. And uh, But I lived in Minneapolis for 10 years. And I got a call one day from a man by the name of Barnabas. I had never met a Barnabas in my life. I mean, think about it. He said, my name is Barnabas. I said, wow, who are you? He said, I'm the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God of Tanzania. Oh, I said, that Barnabas, oh, wow. He said, I want to come and see you. Come along. So I got him a motel and a meal. We sat down together. And he said, we have a campaign right now to start 10,000 new churches in 10 years. I said, Dr. Barnabas, how are you going to do that? He said, no, 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 no. It's how you and I are going to do that. (laughs) I took the bait. I said, what do you have in mind? He said, come with me. So, when I could, I flew to Tanzania to the capital city, Dodoma, and this is what I found. I found a dormitory that was begun. That was begun in 2007 by a church in Alabama. 2007, 2008 were not good years to us financially. And they never got back. And nothing had happened except the weeds coming up through the bricks. And I said, Devil, get behind us. I talked to Pastor Cal. I said, Cal, I need your help. Do you know what? Cal and Tina Carpenter were just there today. They just had the graduation service yesterday of 115 graduates on that campus. And I said, I said to Pastor Kell in Sound Life, I said, could you help me? And you people helped me, and you gave, and you gave, and now you see the, not only the substance, but the evidence of what we believe God for. <laughs> Then, they said, then they, they said to me, could you please help us with our chapel? So I was with them in their chapel. It had room for about 150 people legitimately, but they would put 300 in there. I mean, it just And so I said, you need help? They said, yeah, we need help. That's why we asked if you could help us. I said, smart idea. So I said, what do you have in mind? So they said, could you build us? And so I can't explain to you fully. I really can't. But they had the steel fabricated for the new building in in, in Egypt. They shipped it up didn't have a problem like the West Coast, they shipped it up to Tanzania and brought it over in trucks, seven truckloads. And some way in the process, it got on steroids. And this little chapel grew and grew and grew, and now you see the 5,000-seat auditorium that we were able to help to build right on that campus, just 100 yards away from where the chapel was. And I went up on the last day, just as they were dedicating this, and from the balcony, I looked down and I took a picture, and that's all of the pastors dressed in white who are waiting for ordination. Because today, today, today in Tanzania, Today in Tanzania, they have planted Ten thousand new churches. They completed their plan. They completed their plan, and today, going from five hundred thousand believers to two and a half million believers in the span of just ten years. It's a miracle of what they have done. But the miracle is because of trained leadership. There's no other way to do this. Now there's seven campuses, and so we've helped this this campus as well as several of the others. After we built that auditorium, then just last year we were able to be there just before COVID slammed every one of us to our home and we cleaned the garage five times and read it all. <laughs> remember that, remember that? Oh my, we got so much accomplished. And, 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 and we were able to dedicate the 700 seat academic center on that campus. There's a student standing in front of the building and now you see the building and a better picture from, taken from the drone camera, and happy to make it all possible on that, the major campus of what we've done. While we were there, we went way over in the corner of this 25-acre campus, and we held hands, and we had a groundbreaking service for the new seminary building. Last month, last month, we finished it completely. Five stories, the finest seminary on the entire continent of Africa for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is this significant? Why is this significant, significant, ladies and gentlemen? Because now, after starting 10,000 new churches, they took a year off to evaluate what they had done, and then they started a new plan. (laughs) To plant 30,000 churches in 13 years. I said to Pastor Barnabas, how are you going to do this? He said, I need you to help me plant 36, build 36 church planting schools where we'll take these brand new people and we'll teach them and train them the Word of God and also how to plant churches. And so we laid out the campus of 36 church planting schools. There they are. And you see the building on the left, not only will you see the other four buildings just with the steel, but the building on the left will complete that. Do that whole campus, the steel buildings and the building on the left, for just $75,000. So I said, this is wonderful. He said, I need 36 of them, $75,000 apiece. I put my pencil to it, and I said, oh. And I'm awfully happy to tell you, you're the first congregation I've been able to say this to. But three weeks ago today, I had lunch with David and Barbara Green, the owners of Hobby Lobby. They only have 950 stores in America. (laughs) And I said, David, who has helped me, he helped me build the seminary in Burkina Faso. I said, David, I have a challenge for you. Could you help me build 20 of these church planting schools at $75,000 each? And last week, he called me. And he said, We have a check in the mail for (laughs) $1,850,000. To God be the glory. Praise God. Phenomenal. What God's been able to help us do. So we thank God for that. Thank God for that. When am I supposed to be done? (laughs) Five minutes? Ten minutes? Mm Quickly, quickly. Let me show you what you helped me to do in Nepal, in Nepal, sister country to India, Nepal. That's what I found, unfinished building. We finished it, a Bible school for 200. They said we need room for girls. So we built a girls dormitory. You see it on the left, and we were just there for the dedication, and you see the beautiful girls standing out in front of the dedication, uh, in front of the building, adorning it, and Nepal, seven story. You helped me do all of that in Nepal, where today in Nepal, there's one million Pentecostal believers. (laughs) Nepal. I was sitting, I was sitting minding my own business at supper. The lady beside me was Hulda Buntain. To some of you, that means nothing. But some of you, you know what I'm talking about. She and her husband went to Calcutta 70 years ago as missionaries. Their hearts were broken. They began to feed the people, minister the people. From that day until today, they feed 10,000 people every day. They built a hospital for seven stories tall. They started over 700 schools. They started over 250 churches. And she's sitting beside me, and she looked at me, and she said, you don't love me any longer. (laughs) I said, but I wasn't laughing. I said, how could you say that? She said, you've never been to India. Well, I said, you're right. I've been to Europe and Africa and Asia, but I never know. She said, yeah, but there's only one of you. I said, yeah, you're right. She said, I need you to come and help me because when I built the church and the basement in the basement of the church, I have a Bible school. I got a Bible school for 150 students, and I can't go out because of the church, and I can't go up because of the church, and I need you to help me. And I went to see what I could do, and this is what I found. On the edge of the city of Calcutta, a city of 18 million people, they took me to a beautiful three-story building on four and a half acres. I said, what is this? They said, it's a boy's home. I said, a boy's home? How many boys do you have there? They said, 25. I said, what a waste of space. I said, use it for the Bible school. (laughs) Oh, we could never do that, they said, because the money was given for a boy's home. I said, I know those people in America who gave the money. I said, let me go back and make a phone call. I called, and that afternoon they had an executive meeting and gave that building and those four and a half acres (laughs) lock, stock, and barrel to the Bible school with one proviso. Build us a boy's home. And I knew I could build a boy's home cheaper than I could build a Bible school, so I said, it's a deal. Praise God. So we took possession of that. And I said, let's add another floor. So we added the fourth floor, this beautiful building. Now we got room for 200 students. We got we got all the classes, all the dining hall, the, the library. Everything is there. I said, see you later. Bye bye. They said, no, don't go yet. They said, we need a girls dormitory. I said, you got, no, they said, in our culture, we can't have the girls in the same building with the boys. Well, I said, they'll get together sooner or later. (laughs) (laughs) So with your help, with your help, we built a beautiful dormitory for the ladies. And you see it. There it is. Three years ago, I was there with Hulda Bontaine, who was 93 years young, three years ago. And we dedicated that. Down The back alley. (laughs) You see on the left, the administration. On the right, you see the girls' dormitory. And at the very end, the dining hall and that big tall building, that's the boys' home for 40 boys. We were faithful to our word. They have a magnificent campus now, the finest Bible school for all of North India. And I said, to God be the glory. This is phenomenal. I never heard from Halden again. No reason to, I guess, except in April of this year, she reached out to me by email. She said, are you still building Bible schools? I said, yes. She said, I need your help. <laughs> Up in East India, where Mark went and evangelized her husband, there are 500 churches and no Bible school. Write to Pastor Moses. I wrote to Pastor Moses. I said, we, we, Hulda wants me to help you. And I, he sent me. So so I write back to Hulda. I said, yes, we'll do it. So, so, on May the 25th, I get this letter from Huldah. She says, Mark will be so happy. You're going to help. I'm so happy. Everybody's happy, happy. We're gonna, you're going to help build a Bible school in East India. And on July the 2nd, she was gone. Up until the very last, ladies and gentlemen, she's helping her people in India build. And by then, Pastor Moses had told me what he needed needed four buildings. Classroom building, a library, two dormitories. And I'm awfully happy to tell you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that the classroom building has already been funded. The chapel has already been funded. The dormitory for the women is only half funded because I saved half for you. (laughs) And I know who's going to fund the last building. Why do we do this? We do it for only one reason. We do it, ladies and gentlemen, to train men and women in their culture, in their climate, in their, in, 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 in their surroundings, to reach their people. That is the most significant thing that we can do as missionaries, and that's to help establish the national church. They like their food better than we do. They speak their language better than we do. They understand their culture and their customs better, and they have the passion and the drive. And they are the ones that are getting the job done. That's why we invest into the national church. And I come back to Sound Life one more time this morning, and I ask you, could you help us? You have already given $30,000 this year. We only need $35,000 to complete that building for the Haldobontain Women's Dormitory up in East Africa. And I ask you this morning, if you would please help us one more time. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning for this incredible opportunity I have to come back to sound life. So many memories are here for the Johnson family, Tina Carpenter, dear friends, for so many years. And then they brought to this church this magnificent couple to lead them on. Thank you for the way that you have led them through this building campaign and these facilities, and now to enjoy your blessings. I pray, Lord Jesus, a very special blessing upon them for all that they've helped us to do through the years. And I pray, God, that you'll help us today one more time to do something very significant to fulfill the dying wish of the greatest woman missionary that we've ever had, Halda Buntain. In Jesus' name I pray.